Welcome, everybody, to Geeking Poetic Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Larry Roberts. Down the red table from me is none other than... Vito. And then this fuzzy Ewok in the middle here. She's got a warm and cozy (laughs) top on. It's snowing like crazy outside, so I'm going to say warm. Yeah, it's snowing real bad tonight. But we have none other than... Megan Guess. And we're here for something kind of special. Kind of. It is special. We well, are special. Well, <laughs> you're special, all right. Yeah, <laughs> you are so special. Uh, we're d- here to do another one of our top five things. We've we've done this since the very beginning. The, all, we like to count down top five favorite, whatever Harrison Ford movies or you know aliens, aliens, and things like that. But we decided for 2021 because it, you know getting out of 2020. <laughs> Man, oh man, that just uh, left us reeling here. So (laughs) we thought we're going into our third year. We're leading up to our third anniversary in May. So we thought, like, what could we do that was special? So we said, let's, instead of doing a top five, let's do a top 20. Now, before people start panicking and going, oh "Oh my my God, God. (laughs) we got to sit there through these fuckers talking about 20 movies. No. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about our top 20 all-time favorite movies. Not any specific genre, because usually we do some kind of like particular topic, mm-hmm. you know, like sci-fi or whatever, aliens, like you said. Mm-hmm. No, this is just anything goes. This is just our top 20 favorite movies, our go-tos, the ones that made the biggest impact on us. But what we're going to do is we're breaking it up into four episodes. So this month you're going to get numbers 20 through 16. Next month we'll follow it up with 15 through 11, so on and so forth, till we get to number one. And by the time we get to number one, it should be time for our anniversary. Mm-hmm. Now what we're going to do for that, it's a big secret. You know why it's a big secret? We, we don't know no yet. Because <laughs> we have no idea. Maybe Wait. you guys can start thinking about it now. And yeah. Let us know what you want from us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If we people... won't do it, but just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, if you do have suggestions, man, we're always open to hearing them because mm-hmm. who knows? Could be good, could suck. We'll figure that out later. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing about this. Like, normally we confer with each other a little bit before we do our top five stuff and everything, but this time we really haven't. Mm-mm. I have no idea what you guys did. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm scared for videos. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. I'm I'm not going to say scared. I'm interested. I'm scared. <laughs> How did you guys feel about putting this list together? Like, was it easy? Was it really hard? What was the story? It seemed at the time to be pretty simple. I was like, oh, I know 20 movies that are probably my favorites. But then I dug through all the movies I have and thought of, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't as easy as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm then having to put them in order was very difficult. Yeah, the orders. That took me a while. I was like, well, this should be up there. But then you're like, well, what about that movie? And then I've got these honorable mentions, I think, that are like almost as long as the list itself. So <laughs> it's it's been a nightmare, man. <laughs> oh, poor Vito. For me, the first 10, super easy. It's like 10, boom, 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 boom. I know these. These are my all my go-tos. It was the last 10 that was a little hard for me. And then I, I've right up until we were driving here and I was switching them all around still so <laughs> yeah I was switching mine around this afternoon actually yeah well, we'll I may switch it as we go too. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how about you yeah it's tough it's tough because there's movies that are not on my list that I kind of at first felt like oh they should totally be on my list but then I thought of other ones and I'm like well I may not watch these movies as often mm-hmm. but they're major for me for one reason or another. Gotcha. But anyway, yeah, so what we're going to do with this is we're going to go around and it's going to be, uh, we'll just go like number 20. All three of us will list our number 20s, 19, 18, so on and so forth. We'll we'll do it that way. And uh, we'll just discuss each one as you bring it up. And I think that's the easiest way to do it rather than naming them all and then backtracking. We'll just. Okay. We'll just discuss right. each of them. Sound right, good? Let's do it. Does that sound good to you? Ah, you don't have any say in it because it's already <laughs> fucking edited and put out there. So deal with it. <laughs> but all right. So with that, we got number 20. 
I'm going to enjoy using all these <laughs> sound effect pads and everything. Vito, as always, it's tradition. We start with you. What is your number 20 favorite film of all time? It's a movie from 2012 called VHS. Oh. oh yeah, you've talked about that one before. Yeah. Wow, it's only number 20. Yeah. Yeah, because... It's you, a newer movie, so you know. Yeah, well, newer doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's just, I, I know you're such a huge fan of the VHS series. Yeah, especially the first two. Yeah. So for those of you who do not do not know, VHS is a found footage anthology horror film with about five or six short films that revolve around this wraparound story. Kind of like Creepshow, if you guys are familiar with Creepshow, it's kind of that same idea, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So- a bunch of these people or these hoodlums are tasked with finding a VHS tape at this person's house. So they go into this house, breaking breaking and entering, trying to find this, and they watch a bunch of VHS tapes. And those VHS tapes are like mini movies, and they're all based around horror themes. And it's incredibly right. done. And this movie pretty much kicked off my obsession with the found footage horror genre. Oh, okay. Now, I had known what found footage was before with Blair Witch and all that, you know, McPherson tapes, but this is the movie that, like, solidified my obsession and love of the genre. So, has to be on the list. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, anybody that knows you knows that you are way into the found footage. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit, maybe. Just a little bit. So, that makes sense. Now, when did the first VHS come out? This was uh, 2012. 2012. Wow, it seems like it's older than that. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking that that's so, such an older, like that came out like in the early 2000s or something. Maybe it's because it's called VHS, so it probably right? yeah. <laughs> sounds old to me. <laughs> All right, well, that's that's cool. That's a good choice. Megan, what's your number 20? Um, I went with, let me look, uh, 2006, <laughs> 300. With Gerard Butler. That's where I first came to know him and all his amazing glory. Oh boy, here we go. Am I, I, are we going to see a theme here with this list? <laughs> Is it just going to be a bunch of Megan's like heartthrob punks? <laughs> There's a lot That's of a them yes. in there. Yes, 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 there is. Yeah, well, it is what it is. I mean, let's re- let's be real. The costume design in this movie, or lack thereof, is amazing. <laughs> I was gonna say the lack of it. I think is <laughs> what is making it amazing for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those guys had to really work out to get it. They were because I thought maybe they were CGI'd and stuff like that. Nope, that they actually worked their asses off to get that fit. That wow, they look amazing in that movie. I'm just saying. <laughs> now I have to admit, I've never watched this movie. Really? Yeah, I've never seen it either. No, it's. I mean, that how it's filmed. You know, like the how it, I don't even know how to describe yeah, it, but how it's filmed is it's amazing, mm-hmm. and the way the story's told, you know, it's the King Xerxes and um, Leonidas from mm-hmm. Sparta and stuff. Who's Gerard Butler? You know, his measly three hundred and Xerxes massive army from Persia. Right. They come together and just it's told through Leonidas and his three hundred and how they went and held off. Until the rest of them could get there and stuff. Yeah, it's an amazing story and it's told very well and it's visually very appealing. Not just talking about the guys. <laughs> <laughs> the whole sure. the whole thing is it's amazing. I love this movie, and I'm not big on war movies and stuff right. like that. But this it, it's really good. All right, so my number twenty is going back somewhat of a ways. It's before both of your time. Let's put it that way. And it's just, your <laughs> yeah, before my old sepical <laughs> expired, yeah, <laughs> it was created, yeah. Um, we're going back to 1974. It's a little John Carpenter movie called Dark Star. Okay. We know you love your Dark Star. I star. love yeah. Dark Star, man. Yeah, it's for those that don't know, Dark Star it was uh, Carpenter's directorial debut. It was basically like a student film that started out as like a little indie student film thing. And then it got some legs, it got traction, and they ended up putting a little more money into it, got some investors, everything, and it turned into a full-fledged production. That being said, it still only cost them like 60 grand or something. And you could tell. But even, (laughs) I'll tell you what, even for that 60 grand, I think it's still like a pretty visually awesome movie. I mean, it's not Star Wars or anything, but it influenced Star Wars. I think it influenced a lot of things that came later. And it's basically a movie about this uh, crew aboard a ship called the Dark Star. They've been on this 20-year mission to um, exterminate 
like unstable planets. They don't want they they want to go through the galaxy and get rid of unstable planets that might explode or anything like that so that they can colonize the good planets and not have to worry about some nearby planet fucking it all up for them. But this crew is like a bunch of hippies, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I mean, it was made in 1972 or whatever it was. They're these like hippies and they've been in space isolated way too long. And it's funny. It's kind of sad it's got kind of like a sad ending and all this stuff um the soundtrack is amazing it's got a great soundtrack of course it's john carpenter that does it uh yeah this is just a movie that i saw my parents showed it to me back in um oh i don't know 1978 something like that when i was really really little and of course by that point i already knew star wars and star trek and i kind of expected it to be like that and it wasn't. <laughs> it was it was definitely not that. It was over my head at the time, you know. It's one of those I loved it as a kid. I thought I liked the funny parts of that balloon, that yeah. beach ball looking creature with the feet. <laughs> I thought that whole sequence was hilarious and stuff. Um the bomb. Yeah, the bomb's know, awesome. The talking bomb. Yeah. Like that stuff was funny, but as I got older I just appreciated this story more and more and like what it was all about and yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's to me, it's uh, it's I mean, I know it's a cult classic and the people that know about it generally respect it. But I feel like it doesn't get enough respect for what it was and what what it meant at the time, you know. And there's been so many other movies that have come afterwards that people give a lot of credit to that. I'm like, yeah, but man, it all kind of goes back to Dark Star. <laughs> so anyway, I know you like Dark Star. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. You guys keep talking about it. I need to just sit down and watch it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would rent that from the library when I was a kid, mm-hmm. so I loved it. Yeah, he loves his library rental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure- a good... Library made me the man I am today. <laughs> it's true. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of movies on this list that you're going to be like, I got that one from the library. I think so. Yeah. The old Niles Library. Yep. <laughs> you made Vito what he is. And they're still going strong, man. So. Good. Yeah. Are you kept them in business? Uh, probably. Like. <laughs> Support your libraries, folks. Right? You might think like, oh, who cares? Who needs libraries anymore? Oh, you, you never know. Just watch. If more people actually went to the library and read, you wouldn't all be so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, not everybody, but you know who you are. <laughs> you know, moving on to 90. <laughs> That was my 90s one. See, oh. that, was, that was all like transition on like an episode of Martin or something. You know? <laughs> like, I love Martin. Right? Yeah. It's like, what's going to happen now? <laughs> yep. Anyway, all right, moving on. 19. What is your 19, Vito? Well, I wish I had a 1990s movie for you for yeah. this, but unfortunately, this came out in 2002. Oh, you you're, you're got all the recent ones on yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. This one, Larry might know this one. It's called Cube 2 Hypercube. Oh, yeah. I know this one. This obviously is a sequel to Cube from 1997, I believe. Uh, the reason I put this one on is it not that it's a better film than Cube. I just like the storyline better. Basically, it's, I think about six or seven people are stranded in this cube-like structure that's kind of like a maze. And they come to find out that it like warps reality and time moves differently and there's like weird dimensions happening and they're trapped and they don't know how to get out and it's brilliantly done in my opinion. Yeah, it's really confusing. It is confusing. That was a Vito movie. Yeah. (laughs) And what's cool about it is the cube itself, the room they're in, it. it, well, the main room they kind of are in everything. It's it's so, it's not like your typical type of horror-ish type thing because everything's very clean and bright mm-hmm. and white and everything. You know, you're used to things being more dark and dungeony and looking like Saw and all that kind of shit. This is like the complete polar opposite of that, but it's still terrifying and it's still grim, but it's not, I don't know. It, it's it not leans, like a gore-fest horror no. film, you know? It's more psychological thriller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exa- and you know me, I don't like gore horror no. movies mm-hmm. and stuff, but I actually like got sucked into this one and i was like oh this is really interesting concept with time and the way it's timey-wimey it's yeah interesting i'm gonna have to check that one out too yeah that's good yeah that's a good good choice man i support that one (laughs) all right megan what's your number 19 
I wish I had a 90s movie as well, but I don't. I have a 1988 movie. Close enough. That we talk about often and we debate about and argue about all the time. And this is a movie called Fucking Die Hard. The first one. Die Hard made it into the top 20 of all time, (laughs) huh? Sure as fuck did. I mean, Bruce Willis, fucking Alan Rickman, Bonnie Bedelia. Come on. It's amazing. It's got amazing one-liners. It's got humor and romance and action and violence. It's got it all. I mean, what more can you ask for? I don't think you can ask for more, actually. You I've can't. just never seen the whole thing from beginning to end. So. I know. You're not a big Bruce Willis guy no, either. So that Isn't that crazy? Takes it away from you. That, that's dumb. But <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, given like your genre, you know, you love action movies and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's your thing, man. And you're just like, ah, die hard. Eh. <laughs> I've seen uh, the third one with uh, Joe Pesci and Samuel L. Jackson, okay. right? I like oh, that that's one. That's a good one, too. That was good. That is a really good one. Yeah. I'd probably be, if I had to put them in order, that'd be my second choice. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Was that yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance? Was that it? The it third might, one? might be. I don't know. I don't I don't remember. It's. I've, I've only seen, I've seen the first Die Hard like many times, but two and three I've only seen, I think, maybe once or twice each at the most. Because two's the one in the, the airport, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think remember so. him lighting a, a trail of gasoline that explodes a plane. That has yeah, to be the second one, right? has to be right? the second one. Don't they do that in every action movie? <laughs> I mean, isn't that like... Hey, if it works, yeah. you don't mess with it. <laughs> Something tells me it doesn't actually work that way, so... But it works the, in action It films. works in the action movies. <laughs> just right. like you shoot a car and it blows up. That, right. that doesn't work that way either, yeah. but... All right. I just love the hell out of this movie. Well, good. It makes me happy. I love people being shot up and hung from chains and And thrown off the Nakatomi Tower. Thrown off Nakatomi Plaza. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Poor old Hans 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 Gruber. Gruber. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The cop in that movie cracks. Yeah, he's good. I love that guy. Is that Reginald Wilson from Family Matters? Yeah, it sure is. I love that guy. Love that guy. (laughs) The kid in the limousine. I mean, it's got everything. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, solid nineteen right there. I'm not going to argue with you. You thought I'd argue. I just argue that it's not a fucking Christmas. I, movie. I know. Because <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, man. What's your 19? Well, unfortunately for all my 1990s <laughs> intro bravado, this is nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near the 1990s. Mine is. This is the oldest film on my list, and we're going all the way back to 1937. Whoa. A little RKO film called Stage Door. And I bet you guys have never even heard of it. Never heard of it. Nope. <laughs> Tell well, us, Larry, what is it? So, giving you guys a little backstory here. So, back when I was like around 12 or 13 years old, you might remember the days when, like, on network television, on like ABC and stuff like that, at like two or three in the morning, there'd be like the late, late movie kind of thing they would, and it was usually something old you know mm-hmm. so yeah i was just up late one night and bored and starting in the days of me doing that because like i do now you know up all night kind of thing mm-hmm. and this was i didn't even have cable yet because this was probably again mid 80s sometime in there and this movie started coming on i was like oh it's gonna be some old gram- grandma kind of <laughs> thing you know like grandparents thing. and i just saw the list of they were showing the uh, actors and actresses that are appearing in it, and it was like Catherine Hepburn, Ginger Rogers, Ann Miller, uh, Eve Arden, Lucille Ball, like all these, Gail Patrick, like all these like big name stars from back then. And I was like, geez, I never knew there was a movie with all of them in that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I never heard of this thing. Well, it turns out that this movie was made before most of them became like household names like Hepburn had been they'd all been around Lucy had been around and stuff but they weren't big stars and this movie kind of ended up being like a springboard for them to get big because like Hepburn was not a critic favorite at that point like her previous movies had really bombed really bad (laughs) and then she put in this like amazing performance in this movie and that's what got her 
to like doing movies like Bringing Up Baby and like getting in the Spencer Tracy movies and stuff like that. So this was like an important movie for those actresses, but it's been kind of forgotten. And I so I watched it on a on a lark. I was just like, oh, we'll see. It's really funny. And it, it basically deals with all these young aspiring actresses like stage actresses you know all that kind of stuff and they all live together in like a boarding house and it's just basically it's very realistic in a lot of ways of what it was like back then for them it's it's like it shows like a lot of their it's got that quick talking you know 30s 40s uh repartee going back and forth and everything lucy is amazing in it it really touched me because it's one of those things that you never really think about, like the things that they had to go through. I mean, half the time these girls were going out on dates just so they could get fed because they were so poor. So they'd go out with these like sugar. This is where sugar daddies came from, you know, was they all had sugar daddies that would take them out. You're giving me this look like. That's crazy. <clears throat> what? I should take advantage of that. <laughs> the sugar daddy the thing is huge here. right now, man. Oh, yeah, it boy. Really is. Yeah, with the internet and stuff, yeah. especially. But, I mean, the thing is, is like these girls would have to go through, they had, they'd have to, you know, and especially because it was a man's world and all that shit back then. Yeah, I know. I, it's deserving of that face that she just made, folks. If you, if you can't see her, if you're just listening. I rolled my eyes big time. Yeah. I'll have to, I need to go chase them down. And there is a lot of that. So these these poor girls were just like starving themselves, you know, to be skinny and and just, you know, they're all friends, but there's like a competitiveness there. And some people are kind of backstabby and all this stuff. It was just it's a really interesting movie. And it has a, it has like a, a bittersweet, sad ending to it that I was not expecting it's it's just a great movie, and I think if you, if people out there are into like old oldies, you know, like that and stuff, because I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, God, I don't even know that movie. It's like try to find it. It's really hard to find. Mm. I did finally get it on disc uh, on CD, um, not CD DVD? on DVD. Yeah, one of those things. <laughs> Very I don't even use that stuff anymore, so I forget. <laughs> on DVD, I was able to find it, but it's it's tough to find. They show it every now and then on like Turner Classic Movies and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just I mean, with that cast, you just can't go wrong. It's like those other old movies, whether it's White Christmas or any of those kind of things, where it's got a little bit of everything. You know, it's got some singing and dancing, a little lesser in this movie. Okay, but. You know, and then it's got your drama, it's got your comedy, it's got some slapsticky stuff and everything. It's really good. It kind of reminds me, I mean, later on in like the 80s, they did movies like A Chorus Line, which was based on a uh, musical and stuff. The Stage Door is also based on a play, a stage play thing. Mm -hmm. And just like with Chorus Line, where that deals more specifically with like dancer performers and stuff and showing like what they go through to have to get the role and how tough that life can be and everything this is sort of like that as well um i actually love chorus line that's a great movie too but it's this this just to me deserved to be in my top 20 because i'm always thinking about it you know like it comes up a lot of times and, and it made me appreciate some of those actresses so much more because to me by the time I was around, you know, Catherine Hepburn was just this old, you know, rambling lady <laughs> kind of thing, all on Golden Pond and shit. And, you know, this made me go, oh, wow, yeah, she she had some chops back in the day before she was that, you know. <laughs> and Lucy Ball, Lucille Ball, it's fucking awesome. So anyway, all right, so that's Love our it. 19s. Okay. So moving on, we have 18. That was pretty rocking. <laughs> <laughs> that was more 80s, right? Yeah. That was kind of like A-Team, but it was 18. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to number 18. Vito, what's your number 18? Well, I've got a 90s movie. Oh, now yeah, he's got now the, I got the Sure, name. you had to fuck me all up there. <laughs> this is from 1993, which okay. was a good year. This one is called The Philadelphia Experiment 2. Two. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be when it was, I'm like, this could be a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vito, it's a sequel. All right, well, lay it on us. So this is one of those movies where I knew what The Philadelphia Experiment was because I actually like researched it as a kid. 
and I was like obsessed with it. Of course, of course you did. And this movie came Library. out. Library. Like, oh wow, they made a movie, uh, like a sequel to the movie and the story. I was like, I wonder what they're going to do this time. And well, <laughs> what they did is they transport a stealth fighter jet to Nazi Germany by mistake. The Nazis get it, and the Nazis win World War II and take over the entire world. Oh boy! Because of this action, and that's basically the the premise of the movie. So it picks up with the soldier who was part of the original experiment. Right. Now he's older, he has a son, and the government is still doing experiments. And every time they do a research or an experiment with that technology, he gets adversely affected. And this time they went too far, and he also gets transported into this weird alternate reality where the Nazis won World War II, and now everything's German, and it's crazy. He's got to find a way to fix it and get, get his son back. Everybody just listens to Rammstein and the Scorpions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's like this underground faction that's trying to rebel and they don't know what's going on. And he teams up with them and he tells them, no, this isn't right. This isn't what really happened. And they help him go back in time to fix everything. And it's an incredible story. And I love the plot because it involves time travel, right. stealth that's bombers. timey wimey one for you. Yeah. And World War II. So what can you not love about it? Now- I'm trying to remember about this one. Who stars in this? Do you remember? No names that you would know. No? Yeah. I know. Wasn't Michael Prey in one of he them? He was in the original. In the original With one. Nancy Allen. Okay. So that's the that's the one I've seen then. Yes. Very few people have seen the <laughs> second one. I should have known. Yeah. You really should have kind of guessed. <laughs> yeah. The original was like 84 or something. Yeah. And this was, you know, like nine years later or whatever. And, but I think this is the superior film. Hey, I can't say anything because the one I'm going to come up with in a minute is a sequel as well. Oh, and it's good. also one that happens nine years later. Ooh. So, oh. so right. we got a little synchronicity going on here. <laughs> that's a rarity on this show. <laughs> but all right, cool. Yeah, that's another one that makes sense for you. All right, Megan. Vito all over it. Yep. <laughs> um, I also did not go with an 80s movie. Okay. Or anything. Totally blew it there. I went... Instead, with 2002's Catch Me If You Can. Oh, okay. That's a cool choice. Yeah. I love Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. I mean, who doesn't? He's a freaking amazing actor. Yeah. yeah. Been gypped, but <laughs> still makes great films. And then you put him with Tom Hanks and Christopher Walken. Yeah. To name a few. I mean, there's a lot of big name actors in this movie. It's so good. I love the cat and mouse chase they do, you know, all over the freaking globe. For years. For yeah, years, yeah. They, like, develop this admiration for each other. Yeah. But they still have to chase it and, you know, continue this cat and mouse game. Right. Even though they, they're, like, friends, but they're enemies. They're frenemies. <laughs> right, <laughs> kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. So I, it's just a fun movie. I really enjoy the hell out of this. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that one again for a while now. That's it's such an interesting movie, and it, it was. Is it a true story? It, yes, it's based off a true story. Yeah, because I've heard that that's a true story. It it feels like it couldn't be. Right. Like you watch it's it, so you're like, how the? Like, how did he get away with doing that? <laughs> like he just really? decides to become an airline pilot. Yeah, you know, be a pilot now. What? He just walks in, puts it on. He's like, okay, and it's like. Think about that. <laughs> forge all this money, have this big factory to forge all this money. Right. Really? Right. Really? Okay. Yeah. Apparently it worked. But it's, it is a fascinating story and everything. Yeah, yeah Tom Hanks and Leo are just, that's, that's a good yeah, pair. That's a good team up. They need to bring them back. I agree. I'd like to see them do something again. Now that's a solid choice, man. Mm -hmm. I'm down with that. My number 18 is, like I said, it's a sequel but mine is an 80s movie, motherfucker. See? I lined that he shit up. He set us perfect. up on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> mine is a movie from 1984. And it's a cast of uh, big names at the time. It's Roy Scheider, John Lithgow, Helen Mirren, Bob Balaban. And Vito's shaking his, nodding his head. He knows what I'm He's talking like, about. Oh, yeah. It is a sequel known as 2010, The Year We Make Contact. Now, some people are going to say, well, dude, if you have 2010 on here, you better have 2001 Space Odyssey somewhere else in your top 20. And spoiler alert, I you do don't. not. Wow. No. Okay. <laughs> now, I love 2001. I, it's, a, it's a great movie in its own right. It's not a top 20 movie for me. Um, and as much as I acknowledge how 
important it is, you know, culturally and in terms of filmmaking and stuff. It's a tough watch, man. You know, like I have to really be in the mood for 2001. 2010 is a whole other story. Like, I mean, literally, but it's like, <laughs> but I, for me, like I can listen and watch that movie all the time. I can, I can absorb that movie over and over again and I still get goosebumps. I just watched it again not long ago and it's still fucking amazing. Yeah, it's great, man. And basically, for those that don't know, I don't want to say too much about it, because if you haven't seen it, I really want you to see it, because it's got a great ending. But it follows up nine years later, it follows up the events of what happened with uh, the USS Discovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's still just sitting out there in space near Jupiter. HAL 9000 has been disabled or whatever. So Roy Scheider is the guy who had sent them up on the mission in the first place. He ends up uh, secretly being approached by the Russians because at this point, the Russians and the U.S. are like on the verge of war. This was the 1980s, so it was that whole... Just a red scare. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It was that whole kind of thing. So they secretly work together, the scientists of the two countries work together to go up there jointly and try to figure out what's going on with Discovery and HAL, as well as investigate the fact that they are now finding new evidence of more monoliths. Not because at that point they had only seen the monolith that was on the moon. Tycho, yeah. Right. So there's some in California. (laughs) (laughs) Romania. Yeah, those. Arizona. Right? Not those monoliths. No, 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 no. Sorry. No. Yeah, not those monoliths. <laughs> so they go up and they're investigating that. And yeah, there's some crazy shit going on. And uh, let's just say it has an incredible ending. I think it's incredible. It's definitely incredible. Yeah. It's out of this world. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it's out of this world. Crazy. <laughs> um. It. Yeah, it's just, you know, I've always been fascinated with this kind of stuff. I've always been fascinated with Jupiter. I've talked about that before on, on this show. This just really enhanced it. And it's got things that I, you know, even now I read articles and stuff where people debate about like, what would happen if the events that happened in this movie happened in real life? Like what would that mean for life and for the solar system and stuff and a lot of debate and it's just acted really, really well. It's got suspense. It's not as slow and drawn out and, and it's not as weird. A lot of people detract from this movie because they don't like the fact that this kind of explains what happened. They liked the ambiguous, weird, interpret it as you will ending of 2001 and i understand that i get i get the allure of that but i love where they went with it i think it's great so and the book is incredible yeah and the book's a little different it is a little bit different. a little bit different from the movie but enough similarities there to you know if you like the movie i don't think you're going to be disappointed by the book and vice versa it's it's close enough so yeah this is just one of my favorite films of all time i can like i said i watched it recently and i still like got giddy about it and i was like (laughs) yeah this is going on the list man so there you go You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Well, we only got a couple more from the first batch here, so we're moving on to number... Seventeen. So fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Number seventeen. First up, Vito, you go. So I've got an 80s movie here. Okay. 1987, to be exact. And it's a comedy. Oh, First comedy on the list? Yeah. Well, it's debatable, I guess, for some people. Oh, boy. 
Uh oh. No, I'm scared. No, I'm talking about the other the other movies if they're comedies or not. Some people might think they're oh, pretty I terrible. See. Okay. But this movie is called Spaceballs, which you cannot deny is a flat out comedy. Well, yeah, of course. One of the greatest comedies of all time. Well, it's created by one of the greatest comedy uh, inventors, writers of all time, Mel Brooks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, me either. Yeah, man. This ever since I was a kid, another um, library rental was Spaceballs. You know, I don't think I had seen Star Wars at that point before I saw this movie, so I didn't. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't really get a lot of the jokes. Yeah, I think I saw it backwards too. Actually, right? You mentioned it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is dumb, <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Leave it to the two of you <laughs> to have seen Spaceballs before you saw Star Wars. Yeah, that kind of robs you of a lot of the humor. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still funny as hell. I mean, I love yogurt. I love Dot. <laughs> I don't like actual yogurt. I think actual yogurt is fucking disgusting. <laughs> but the, the yeah. character of yogurt... It's great. What about Barf? Love Barf. Barf (laughs) Hollamill. He's a mog. He's his own best friend. I mean, come on. I mean, this one's a little bit better than the other ones, but the problem with all those Mel Brooks movies is the humor in a lot of it is a little... um, Risque? Yeah, by today's today's standards, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, my favorite scene is the combing the desert scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that cracks me the fuck up every time. It's Tim Russ in that scene from Star Trek Voyager. He played Tuvok. Right. And from other movies like uh, Eve of Destruction. Yep. He played a minor role in Eve of Destruction with Gregory Hines. Right. But oh, man. Most people know him from Star Trek Voyager. Wasn't he the one that died? Didn't she kill him? Or am I thinking somebody else? Uh, you're thinking about Tuvix, which was a combination of Tuvok and Neelix, which there was a transporter malfunction. Oh. And they ended up killing Tuvix. Did to... she cry when that happened too? No, Megan. <laughs> See, this was past the six episodes that you allegedly saw where she cried at every scene. Oh, I'm taping it. I'm going oh to fucking God. show you guys. Here we go again. Dude, can we get in touch? <laughs> can we get in touch with two notes and line six and be like, you need to put together your two notes like IR technology for guitar sims with line six helix, put it together and call it Tuvix. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll be like, you're a fucking dork. Go away. (laughs) I bet that would sell though. We're calling security. Probably would. Just the Tuvix thing. Yeah. But here's the whole thing. Here's the thing is you plug it in and it dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's not going to go over well. But all right, yeah, that's a solid choice. I wasn't expecting that one. All right, no, Spaceballs. I didn't think you were too big on comedies. There's some comedies I'm totally big on, and Spaceballs is one of them. All right. Yeah. One of the rarities. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, that one did not go from suck to blow. No, it didn't. <laughs> I'll give you that one. That was no Mega Maid. All right. <laughs> Mega Megan. <laughs> What's your what's your number seventeen? I went with two thousand nine Star Trek. Oh, the new okay. Kevin timeline, Kelvin timeline. Yeah, the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Well, gee, do we have to ask I mean, why? You really didn't think Chris Pine was going to make my list? That's dumb. Yeah, and it's just the whole cast is amazing. I think they did an amazing job. Chris Pine did great as Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. Zachary Quinto. Yeah. Come on. Carl Urban, I loved him as Bones. Perfect. Zoe Zodano. Yeah. I mean, every everybody, they just they filled the roles perfectly. I think so. A lot of people don't agree with us on that. Yeah, that's dumb. I, I get the lens flares. I didn't, I didn't bother me. Who cares about Who the lens cares? <laughs> I mean, so. I could see if it was like lens flares in completely inappropriate like spots or stuff. something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I like J.J. Abrams and his stupid lens flares. So whatever. People just want to pick on them you know yeah. they just need to pick on something it's like no i love the kelvin timeline yeah. stuff i'm disappointed to hear that it's probably done Snade, yeah. I, I i love the backstory and how our favorite characters that we grew to love came together in the first place right yeah because we we'd heard stories but we never got to see it right so i i really i was like how are they going to do this it's a different timeline or i don't understand and the way it came together i i just adore this movie yep and it kicked off all the other ones, which I also love. Yep. But that's the start of it all. So 
that's my number, whatever. 17, 17 yeah. <laughs> now that, uh, none of those made my top 20. Really? Yeah, spoiler alert. But if I was going to pick one, I would have picked Beyond. Really? I love Beyond. I thought that movie's so fucking good. Yeah, that, that, that one is, re- the. I liked it when I first saw it. And then I've watched it more times, and every time I've watched it, like it's gotten to the point where I'm like, "Fuck, this is one of my favorite Star Trek movies." Period. Wow, okay. so good! Tons of great action and great characters. Man, yeah. So, spoiler alert: this is not my only Star Trek movie on my list. Oh, that's all right. We got room for that around here. We sure do. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, my number seventeen. Is nothing like your guys' movies, <laughs> although mine is a 1980s movie. It is actually a movie from 1980, and I can probably guarantee that neither one of you have ever seen it. That's going to be my list. It's going to be like Larry's picking all these. Yeah, you're picking all these old shit movies. Yeah, well, it's not shit, Megan. Old as shit. Sorry, I left the as out. Okay, kind of like me. Old as shit. Yeah. It is a 1980 movie called Foxes. Now, this is kind of... It's a documentary? No. <laughs> no. Um, it's a drama. It's kind of a... It's, a, it's like a... I guess you could call it a teen drama because it centers around these four teenage girls, but... Oh, it's, is that why they're foxes? Yeah. It's a stupid name, to be honest with you, for the movie because they're, they're not. Like, that's not who they are, really. They're, they're four very, like, different girls but they're best friends they're supposed to be like seniors in high school um living in california southern california but it's not like your typical teen romp kind of thing like this is like a very serious movie and uh jodie foster plays the lead role and she lives with her mom who's played by sally kellerman and her mom is like a young mom, you know, I'm doing air quotes here. Like she's like a young mom. She's like one of those where she's like, oh, you know, I wish I was still young and everything, but I'm still cool and hip and, you know, smokes pot and all that horse shit and everything. And Jodie Foster ends up almost kind of having to be like the responsible one, you know, like she's more like the maturing too quick kind of person, you know, she's, and she's sort of the motherly figure out of the group of girls. And then her best friend, is Annie, who's played by Sherry Curie, who was the lead singer of The Runaways. Uh, okay. Joan Jed and Lita Ford's old band. Yeah, after... Run, run, run. No. Not Run, Run Away. No. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. No. Cherry Bomb. You know Cherry Bomb? Cherry Bomb. Cherry Bomb. Yeah. That's that's Sherry Curie. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So this was like her acting... This was like her acting debut and everything. Um, And she's like this troubled kid that... She parties too much. She always hooks up with all these bad guys and stuff. Her dad's like this abusive cop that's always, you know, kind of beating on her. And, you know, and it's just making her worse. You know, it's like she's rebelling harder because of that. And uh, Jodie Foster is like always kind of trying to look out for her. There's another friend that's like more like the ditzy uh, sort of like more spoiled girl that just is like boy crazy and. Uh, all that kind of stuff. And then the fourth is like the nerdy girl who like has overly protective parents. And she's actually secretly having this relationship that even her friends don't know about with a much older guy who's played by Randy Quaid of all oh, things. God. He's great in it. He's great in it. It's not a big role. No, he's re- it's it's it, he's he's a good guy. In it and everything. He actually plays like a really decent guy. Like he won't, like if people at home are shuddering like, oh, this older guy, Randy, old crusty old Randy Quaid with his teen. <laughs> but his whole thing is like he won't, he doesn't want to like, he's in love with her, but he like doesn't want to touch her because she's only- Guys don't go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then, well, back then, probably not. I mean, she's supposed to be like 17 or something like that, you know, so it's close enough. But <laughs> Marian age. <laughs> Well, that kind of comes becomes a thing and everything. Oh, okay. But he's like a decent, like he like kind of keeps you know trying to be decent about it and stuff. And she, I don't know, it, it just deals. Scott Bayo is in it. He plays like their friend. Like their, is he the one that's going to bring this movie up to like stardom here or something. Is that- <laughs> hey man, you know these were big names at the time. Like people like Jodie Foster. Well, she's still a big name. Jodie yeah. Foster, Scott Bayo, you know stuff like that. Like uh, Laura Dern's in it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's it's a really cool movie. It's a more realistic 
portrait of what it was like, what it's like for those teenagers at that time and stuff. Cause it shows them going through like family problems, school problems, drug problems, you know, relationship problems. And it's, like I said, it's not colored the same way a lot of other teen movies and stuff are or were where it's like got this happy ending and, you know, blah, blah, and everything works out real conveniently and all this kind of it's not that at all. Um, Sounds like the facts of life. Yeah, man, because, you know, the facts of life kind of gets written off a lot of times for being like that. But if you ever really watch they facts of life, heavy core shit. holy fuck, there's some serious shit on that show. And I didn't remember it that way until I started watching it again as an adult. And I was like. Oh my God, like they're talking about like pregnancy and drugs, bisexuality and suicide and all this stuff. And this was in like the first season. And I was like, holy shit, man, Mrs. Garrett had some heavy shit to deal with. (laughs) You know, Blair, fuck. Yeah. Man. But anyway, no, I mean, and this is way more serious than that, even. And then the interesting thing about this movie, I think one of the underlying concepts of this movie is that. It shows how the teenagers look at their viewpoint on these events in life and then the differences of how the parents view things. And yeah, it shows the teenagers like recklessness and naivete and everything about it. But it also shows like the parents like lack of understanding how they're kind of like out of touch, mm-hmm. uh, world weary, you know, there it, it's especially between Sally Kellerman and, and Jodie Foster. Like it's a really interesting dichotomy that goes on there. It's amazing movie. This was done by Casablanca records and Filmworks, who did, you know, that's the record label for kiss back in the day and cool, like rock early proto glam metal bands like angel. And they appear in the movie and stuff. And, uh, yeah, this, so this, I saw this movie when I was like eight years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was always watching these like heady movies that were way, way beyond, like I shouldn't have, like people that aren't at least like 14, 15 years old should have probably been watching this movie. I watched it by myself when I was eight, but it made like this big impression on me, you know, like it was, it was interesting. So hmm. It it helped mature me, I guess, in my my outlook on things. Plus, I just I thought Sherry Curry was so fucking hot. <laughs> so you I, can't say anything to me. Oh no, no. I mean, I you know, because I because I was like I had heard of the Runaways and stuff. I knew who Joan Jett was. I'd already seen Joan Jett in concert by that point and everything. Um, so when I realized it was like, oh, this is a movie with her, and I kind of knew who Jodie Foster was and stuff, and fucking Chachi's in it. You know, so I was like, why? But it wasn't, I was like, whoa, this is a dark ass movie. (laughs) What am I watching? (laughs) Anyway, it's one of, it's a fucking wonderful film. Again, it's another one that's kind of hard to find, a little obscure and everything. But if this sounds like something that rings, you know, rings a bell for you, check it out. I think it's worth it. We are down to the last pick for this episode, at least, you know, this for the first batch. (laughs) So we are at number. 16. Explode. <laughs> I added my own sound effect. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. No, I, I, well, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. All right, Vito, what is your number 16? Well, we're going back to the 2000s for this one. Uh, okay. Specifically 2002's Ghost Ship. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. Good old Ghost Ship. Good old Ghost Ship. I brought this up on the show probably... we know you love your ghost i do and this isn't listed on a lot of people's favorite horror movies but it is for me i immediately fell in love with this when i saw it i just love the idea of a ship being haunted by spirits and then going through the ocean in the middle of nowhere until it gathers more souls yeah that's cool is this the one we met carl urban you're like i loved you in ghost ship yes and he's (laughs) He's like like, cool kid see you later Oh my gosh! Yeah, he didn't seem that uh, enthused that I that I like ghost ship. I guess he but. probably thought you were joking. Yeah. Maybe Pro- he probably was like, "Oh, this guy's taking a dig at me <laughs> for a being dick. a ghost ship," and it's like, "No, Carl, I wasn't, man. I swear." It's he really loves yeah. ghost ship. Yeah, I about I'm, the entire time in line. It's like, I'm gonna tell him. I'm gonna tell him. I love ghost ship. Like, okay. And he told I told him, and then he didn't really care. So. It was like, "All right, cool, bro." 
It's like I'm talking to a chick here, man. <laughs> beat it, boy. <laughs> Take your ghost ship and beat it, Baldy. <laughs> Come here, Blondie. Beat it, Baldy. <laughs> That's he not how it so went bad. down. But that would have been funny if it had. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this movie has the infamous uh, beheading scene. One of my favorite kills of all time on a horror film, man. That that wire snap is just pure genius, man. <laughs> Even though Mythbusters busted it, it can't actually happen, unfortunately. But it's just, when you see it the first time, you're like, holy shit. Wow. I, I you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I love I love the idea that there's so many of you fools out there that needed to have that <laughs> myth busted because the first time I saw it, I said, there's no empirical way that could actually happen. <laughs> I didn't need fucking myth busters. I didn't need Jamie to go, you know, this actually can't happen. <laughs> really? Dude. What a high tension wire cutting through something. I mean, it seems plausible, <sighs> but not like it. No. <laughs> yeah, it happens, but not like that. It sounds plausible to uh, me. I didn't see right? it, but Oh, that's what they always say because like you're towing something you don't get between that because it can really fuck you up oh sure but it's but you have to it literally kills like everybody <laughs> oh. you're going through that's bone cartilage person. muscle it doesn't care it just goes just through thing. it goes and it, it makes a hole it goes out for like five minutes or some shit it's doing figure eights and twisty twos and shit you're like wow I guess I mean <laughs> I gotta see this. <laughs> Vito and his implausible deaths—he <laughs> just loves them. <laughs> Only thing that would have been better would have been if that wire was covered in some sort of like acid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like slashed them right down the right. middle. Yeah, yeah. and then slice away. them down the middle. Right, exactly. Yeah. Then you would have hit ticked all the Vito boxes. Yeah. Yeah, would have sliced them this way and then come back up and. That's why this is only number 16. (laughs) (laughs) See, you done fucked up. The makers of Ghost Ship, you could have got it right. But you only made it to 16. Mm. But it's technically number one in this episode. (laughs) Still rings high. Yeah. But seriously, go watch it if you haven't already because it's really good. All right, Megan, what is your number 16? I went. With 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy. The first one. The first one. Interesting. All right. I really, I don't know. It's again, I always get stuck. I know you're a sequel man, but I always get stuck on the first ones because this is where I met everybody and fell in love with these characters. Right. I mean, I love Chris Pat, Pratt, Pat, (laughs) Pratt, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. And Zoe Zaldano again. Yeah. Um, Dave Batista. Yeah. I, I I just love this cast and Rocketing their whole dichotomy group. of yeah. their ragtag team of band of whatever they are <laughs> that they're always fighting amongst each other, but they're they're still they're there for each other when it comes down to yeah. it. And the the comedy in it just says Megan all over it. It does. <laughs> it is definitely some Megan type comedy. I'll I'll give you that for sure and the music's amazing in it well the music is fucking amazing in it i'll give you that too yeah so i i i just adore this movie i do too i love I it. love them all but but i was gonna say i love it but for me you know i would have gone with the sequel too is that's just one of my favorites that movie's so fucking awesome <laughs> so that's a good choice thank you is that your only marvel movie on the list are you gonna do you want to spoil that or is there any um others? i believe it is my only marvel movie wow i i really enjoy them all but that that that's the one I think I'd go to the most for now. Okay. I may totally change my mind in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I know that feeling. Well, it's it's fitting that you chose that and we didn't even plan it this way because my number 16 is spoiler here, the only Marvel movie on my list. Oh. That is surprising. Yeah, you would probably think as big of a fan as I am of All that. All 20 would be Marvel. <laughs> well, that's the... <laughs> see, and that's the problem is because there's a lot of these... A lot of these things, when you talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, blah, 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 it's like I could make a list of just that. Mm-hmm. and But we have, you know? And we have, yes. So that's why I'm like, okay, for this, I have to think about... Picking two. Yeah, like picking some <laughs> other things and stuff. So... Yeah, and surprisingly, Marvel didn't rank higher in my top 20 than this, yeah. but 
Well, again, once I get we'll to see. my once I get to my other movies, especially yeah, from fifteen on down, those are movies that really mean a lot to me and have made me who I am. But number sixteen is a twenty nineteen film known as Avengers Endgame. Now it was really, really, really fucking hard choosing between uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Because truthfully, folks, to me, it's it's one movie, but it's not. It's technically not, so I can't cheat. I could. I thought I was like, well, I could make it a tie. I didn't do any ties on my list this time. I'm like, no, I'm just gonna keep it. When it comes down to it, as much as as much as I might like Infinity War and maybe be more prone to watch Infinity War more frequently than Endgame. That whole last hour of Endgame is is just such... It's some of the best fucking movie making I've ever seen. And I know people bag on it, and we've talked about it when we reviewed this movie, when we talked about it and everything. But that fucking final battle, it's like, especially if you're a lifelong nerd, like I am, for Marvel stuff, that last... That whole ending of that movie, it just... It was like, oh my God, I'm going to get everything fulfilled here. Like, literally I've, everything. <laughs> I've wanted to see this kind of like battle happen, you know? And I mean, you literally see all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fighting together. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, just thinking about it, it's making me like tingly and stuff. And just the way they chose to end it, you know, and heartbreaking as that is. And it, yeah. And I mean, this is a movie that like, even though it technically has a good ending, it's like there was a heavy fucking price paid throughout this movie. You know, we lose a lot of very beloved characters and stuff in this movie. I, I mean, I probably could spoil it, but just in case there's some fucking fuck nut that's like, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It's like, dude, <laughs> come on, man. So I won't say specifically what happens, but... Yeah, it's it's so good, man. I watched it again just recently, a couple of weeks ago I watched it. And uh even the scene when they go back in time to try and get the stones and all that and when Tony meets Howard Stark and all, I was like, oh, this is so good. This is so fucking good. Not even good by superhero movie standards. This is just fucking really really good. Well written, well acted the biggest names out there right now pretty much mm-hmm. just about i just love the fuck out of this movie and it's really hard because like i said infinity war could have been in there captain america winter soldier could i was just gonna say winter soldier i'm really shocked yeah i know i know i know and if i wouldn't have been putting that self-imposed kind of limit on myself because of the other movies that i really felt needed to be on this list winter soldier would have been in there infinity war would have been in there but I limited myself to this one, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, on like on The Simpsons when Moe's talking about the mechanical bull, it's like, well, I was either getting cable or a mechanical bull. <laughs> I made my choice, and I stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my choice, and I stand by it. All right. Avengers Endgame, and that's it. That's it. We made it. We made it. We made it through the first five. No changing our minds now. No, it is what it is. It's in stone. So then moving on to, you know, uh, 15 through 11 will be the next video. Man, I, man, yeah, these are some biggies for me. These are some real big ones for me. I don't know about you guys. You, how do you, if, you Give a little teaser to everybody. We don't have to say what they are, but how do you feel about your next batch? I got some heavy hitters. Vito? Um, yeah, I think people would be like, why the hell did you put those on your list? But It's Vito. <laughs> Yeah, but there's some that I'm, people are like, oh, yeah, that definitely belongs where it belongs. So okay. we'll see. I was going to say, well, like, when it comes to you, there's going peop- to be some people out there that are going to be like, why did you put any of those on your <laughs> list? <laughs> Knowing some of your Well, those movies, movies define me. It, well, exactly. And that's, that's the whole idea. <laughs> that's the whole idea of this. So, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back very soon, uh, sometime a couple of very weeks. Very soon. A couple of weeks, a couple, two, three weeks or so. Uh, just keep checking back. In the meantime... We want you to let us know what your top 20 movies are or 
You can do it like we've been doing it. If you want to just let us know here in the comments and stuff, you want to tell us you're 20 through 16, save the next five for the next video. That's fine, too. Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we might tally some of that up at the very end and see, like, you know, when we get to our uh, final five, the five through one, maybe we'll do like a little tally and see uh, what, you know, how it compares. See what we see. Exactly. So maybe we'll have a little something extra with it. Yeah, we might. We just might. We just might. Now you're thinking. I know. Now you're cooking with gas, Megan. <laughs> Woo. All right. See, that's Megan's transition music. She's like, me. Right? No. Uh, okay, whatever. Anyway, we'll be back soon with 15 through 11. Thanks for watching Geeking Poetic. See you soon. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Explode. Boom. Oh, 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 o